Welcome to today's audio podcast, a sermon teaching from Grace Bible Church of Akron. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of GBC and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at gbcakron.org. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at gbcakron.org. That's I-N-F-O at gbcakron.org. Also, if you would like to support Grace Bible Church, you may do so by visiting gbcakron.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. Good morning. Thank you again for being here. Don't you like that nice 80s music? I know it. That's awesome. We're starting a, uh, a sermon series called Throwback. And throwback is an interesting word because it can be a positive or a negative. Sometimes when we talk about something being a throwback, it's, it's something from the past, but it's still relevant today. And so, and so even though it may be old, it still applies. Then there are other times where something is a throwback. It's from the past, and someone's doing it today, and it's not relevant, it's irritating, you know? That, and, and so, when we're looking at these truths in God's Word from the book of Ephesians, it's like that. It's a lot of throwback. It's some truths that have been around a long time. They've been around a long time. And you're, you and I, we're going to look at these truths in one of two ways. We're going to look at it and say, wow, that's still relevant today. Or we're going to look at it and say, wow, that's irritating. We need to move on. And, and so that's why we called this series Throwback. We're going to be looking at some, some old truths from Scripture. Now, I had some people contact me through the week when they found out that, that we were doing this series on throwback and, and we were, you know, kind of pulling from the 80s. And, the, you know, some people said to me, well, why is it throwback from the 40s and the 50s? And I said, because that's ancient. That, that's, that's, not, that's not throwback. That's, that's ancient. And so um, I hope, you know, some of you were going to sleep already. So I needed to say something to kind of pull you back in to what we were doing. You know, what we're going to be looking at, uh, these, these throwback truths, I, I, I need to tell you that we're going to be swimming in some pretty deep waters, okay? Uh, there's no way. In fact, there may be some Sunday mornings that, that you're going to leave here with more questions than answers. But that's okay, because our faith doesn't grow necessarily with answers. Our faith grows with questions while we trust the Lord. And, and so you're going to see some of that as we go through this, these, these truths that we're going to be looking at uh, over the next couple of weeks. So here's, here's a a throwback truth, something to, to kick us off to be thinking about. You know, we, we believe many times that if God could do something fresh and new in our life, maybe a new blessing, maybe a, 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 new, um, a new miracle, a, 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 a new revelation, something new, that if we just had something new, our joy would, would be better we would be happier if God would just do something new. But here's, here's the truth. Our joy blossoms when we recognize what we already have. What we already have in Christ. It doesn't come from 
something new that we don't have, our joy comes from understanding what we already have. And that's where Paul starts this letter that you and I call Ephesians. He starts it off reminding us that the things that we have in Christ are the things that should supply us with enough joy for a lifetime. And we're going to read about some of those things and unpack those things, but some of them are challenging, and they will cause us to think about what the Scriptures are saying. So, I, I, need, I mean, I, just for full disclosure, I need to tell you that for the next couple of weeks, a lot of these, these messages, they're going to be doctrinal in nature. Some of you right now, your eyes are rolling in the back of your head. Your, your head's going. I, I, you know, doctrine is important, and the reason it's important is because what we think many times determines the way we feel, and what we feel determines the way we behave. See, a lot of times we think if we could just change our behavior, our our you know, whatever, everything, if we could just change our behavior, our life would get better. But here's the thing. We don't change behavior first. We change the way we think first. Amen. If we change the way we think, that impacts the way we feel. The way we feel impacts the way we behave. And that's how that unfolds. And that's why some of the things that we're going to be looking at the next couple of weeks are so important because they're going to impact the way we think about God and the way that we think about our relationship with Him. And as we think about those things and as we accept those truths, well, it's going to change the way you feel about some stuff that's going on in your life. And as you change the way you feel about what's going on in your life, ultimately you're going to change the way you behave in life, which is the way it's supposed to work, not the other way around. So let's jump right in to what God's Word says. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus. If you are someone that has a Bible open and you like to underline things, I would underline God's holy people. If you're reading an older version, it'll say saints, to the saints at Ephesus or to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So this letter was written to God's holy people. It is written to people who have already received Christ as their Savior. So if someone, if someone who is not a believer were to read this letter, that would be a good thing for them, but they're not going to understand a lot of what's going on. They're not going to get it because it wasn't written to them. It was written to those individuals who have already prayed to receive Christ as their Savior. And Paul is beginning to understand, he's going he's to unpack for them what happened when Christ saved them. So if you're sitting here this morning and you say, well, that's me. I've received Christ as my Savior. Then this letter is going to begin to explain to you and I what happened to us when we got saved. What, what is it that Jesus did for us when we got saved? And some of these things that we're going to look at, you're going to look at it and say, well, I've heard that before. I already knew that. Some of these things may be brand new to you, and you've never, you've never even thought, you never even knew you had that in Christ. And it's important. You're going to hear me say this over and over again. 
in Christ. All of these blessings that we're going to talk about this morning are things that come from being in Christ. And we're going to hear that over and over again. When we talk about someone being in Christ, just like in that verse, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the end of the verse, isn't it? He says in the verse, Paul and Apostle, to God's holy people and us, the faithful in Christ. He's talking about our identity. Our identity. Who are we? Now, in America right now, in our culture, there is an identity crisis. I'm not talking about identity as Americans. I'm talking about individuals are going through an identity crisis. Scriptures teach that there are two sexes, male and female, but the federal government recognizes seven. That's an identity crisis. People don't know who they are. They don't know who they are. That's why people are coming out saying, I identify as, and then they fill in the blank. That's an identity issue. For those who are in Christ, that's our identity. That's, that's who we are. Just as someone might come out and say, I, am, I, I identify as a female, even though they're male. They come out, they're identifying as someone, they're saying, this, this is who I am. Back in the 80s, I, I, those of us that lived in the 80s, um, when people talked about being a homosexual in the 80s, they were talking about their behavior. If someone came out and said, I am gay, they were talking about what they did, the behaviors they were engaged in. Today, when someone comes out and says, I am gay, they're not talking about their behaviors, they're talking about their identity. They're talking about who they are, and they're claiming, this is who I am. Well, in Christ means this is who I am. I am this person. And the reason I am this person is because I'm in Christ. All of this happens between our ears. As we think about what Christ has done for us when we received his salvation. Paul in this passage, jumps straight to it. So what happens when we receive Christ? In these next verses, if you've never read first, the first chapter of Ephesians, especially verses 1 through 14, beginning in verse 4, Paul, it's like, it's like an explosion of blessings. Paul begins to just explode. Here's these things that you have in Christ. Here's the things that, that unfold because you're in Christ. So look at what he says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So Paul points out, first thing that happens when, when someone becomes a believer is that our position changes, so our privileges change. Notice, notice how he said this in this verse. He says, praise be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms. That phrase means 
Literally, it means existing in heaven. So when you and I pray to receive Christ as our Savior, we are no longer just on earth. We exist in heaven. We are spiritual creatures, eternal creatures. And the moment that we receive Christ, we have this dual existence. I am on earth, but I am also in heaven. I will dwell there forever. I have a spot there in the heavenly realms. So my position changes. How can I describe it? It's, it's, like, it's like someone receiving a promotion. Okay, so, so let's, say, let's say you have an athlete on a team, and this athlete is promoted to coach. He's still on the team, but his position has changed. He's wearing the same logos. He's with the same people. He's still engaged in the same practices. He's still learning and developing and doing the same plays, but his position or her position has changed. They're no longer just an athlete. They're the coach. Now, here's what's interesting. For you and I, when we receive promotions, a lot of times those promotions come as a result of you and I doing something, and it's an achievement. We craft our skill. We get better at something. We have more experience, and so we receive a promotion. But when, when we're in Christ, we don't achieve it. We just receive it. We don't achieve anything in Christ. We just receive grace. And the moment we receive that grace from Christ that is being extended to us from the cross, when we, when we accept that, our position changes. We're still on the same team. We're still a part of humanity. But our position has changed. Does this make sense? That's what Paul is saying. That's one of the blessings that happens. But not only does our position change, our privileges change. He says that he has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every spiritual blessing. Paul is talking about everything we get in Christ that we did not have without Christ. So there's these privileges that now become a part of our life that weren't there. Go back to the coach and the athlete for a moment. The athlete parks anywhere at the sports facility. The coach has his own parking spot. The athletes, they have a locker in the locker room. The coach has a desk in his office. The athlete, when he comes to the facility, he has to wait for someone to open the door. The coach has the key to the door. You see, the privileges changed. And that's what happens when you and I come into Christ. It's not just that our position changes, our privileges change. We have things in Christ that we did not have without Him. And He's going to spend the rest of these verses just this volcanic explosion of trying to communicate what these blessings are. And what they mean to you and I. And here's the thing. As we read this, we're going to read the whole thing right here in just a second. When we read it, it is choppy. Okay? And there's a reason it's choppy. Because in the original Greek, it is one sentence. 202 words long. We don't read that way. 
Okay? So, so the translators have taken this one very long sentence and have tried to put it in English so that we can extract from it what Paul is talking about. And so that's why it comes out a little choppy. So let's look at what God's Word says, beginning in verse 4. He says, For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with His pleasure and will, to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves." In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In Him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation." When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. Phew! There is a lot in these 10 verses that we just read. Paul begins to explain five blessings that come from being in Christ. Now, I just want to tell you up front that each one of these blessings in and of themselves could be a message all by itself. So when I skim through this really quick, I am just scratching the surface. Now, when I say I'm scratching the surface, I'm not saying I understand so much more than everybody else does. Nope, not saying that at all, because we're talking about truths nobody understands. Nobody understands some of the things Paul is, is, is saying, this is what you get in Christ. These are truths that we never understand in a moment. They are simply truths that we receive for the rest of our lives. And we never fully understand them in any one moment, in any one time. But we have them with us all the time. And they're constantly unfolding in our life as we follow Christ as we live for him. So let's look at these five blessings. The first one that Paul mentions, these privileges, is that we are adopted into his family. Adoption into the family of God. What a beautiful blessing. Now, unfortunately, what has happened in in the American church is that we have taken this very wonderful blessing of adoption and we have turned it into something that we divide over. I don't think God intended it that way. Not at all. What it comes from is the phrase predestined to be adopted into the sonship of the family of God. And it's that word predestined that a lot of our Calvinistic friends begin to lick their chops. 
So let me, let me explain something and say something. When the Bible mentions the word predestined, never is it referencing anyone except those who are going to heaven. What I'm saying is, is that word predestined is never used when talking about people who are going to hell. And what I mean, what I'm telling you is, is that nowhere in the Bible, absolutely nowhere in the Bible, does it say that God has predetermined people are going to hell. Nowhere. It simply is not in the Scriptures. And that has become something that we have divided over within the church. If you and I, if we're going to understand this this tremendous blessing of adoption, we have to understand the analogy of adoption. We have to understand what that means. Now, you and I, when we think of adoption, we think of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of times of, of a mom and a dad, they go to uh, this, this baby, this infant who has no parents, and they adopt that child. Now, that infant has no say in what's going on whatsoever. That little baby has no say whatsoever. In other words, that little baby can't stand up in his crib and say, no. I don't want to be adopted by these people. A little baby, an infant, can't do that. Why is that important for you and I to remember? Because God doesn't adopt infants. He doesn't adopt infants. God only adopts into his family people who are cognizant enough to reject the adoption. They, they understand that I can be a part of the family or I'm choosing not to be a part of the family. So God, God, doesn't, God doesn't adopt infants. He only adopts those who understand what's going on. And what you and I fail to forget because of the debate around this what, what we fail to see and what Paul is saying here is that in adoption, there is always joy. There is always tremendous joy in adoption. It is a tremendous privilege. It is a blessing. I want to show you something. I want to show you a video of the day we adopted Kevin and Juan David. Watch this.
always joy in adoption. Always. It's always a time of great joy. Now let me tell you something. Adoption is never achieved. It is only received. Kevin and Juan David didn't do anything for us to adopt them. They didn't send us money. They didn't fill out an application. They didn't learn English before they got here. They didn't learn about our family and figure out ways to kind of fit in with us. They didn't, they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything to achieve it. They could only receive what was being offered. And the same holds true for you and I when we come into the family of God. We don't achieve it. We just receive what God is offering. And you know what? We speak a different language than he does. Listen, we came from two different worlds. Kevin and Juan David and, and our family, we came from two separate worlds, and we merged together. The very same thing happens when God adopts us into his family. He comes from a world of holiness, a culture of honesty, a culture of truth and love where there is no deception, and he steps into the mess of our world and says, I'll let you be a part of my family. And we don't achieve that. We receive that. And there's always joy when it happens. I have never, never in my life met anyone who received God's grace and they stood up and said, well, that was boring. That was a downer. That was a dud. Nope. It's never happened. It's always great joy in the adoption. It's a tremendous blessing. Another privilege that we receive is the forgiveness of sins. What that means, we talk about that a lot at church. We talk about the fact that when we become in Christ, we receive the forgiveness of our sins. That word forgiveness in the Bible, it is an accounting term. It, 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 it is a financial word. And literally what happens when you and I sin against God, we create a debt against him that we cannot pay. We now owe him something, and we can't pay it back. There's nothing we can do to balance the scales back out. I uh, have had the opportunity to travel uh, into various countries around the world, and, and you know sometimes when I have gone into other countries, I can use American money in other countries. Uh, Belize is one of those countries. I've gone into Belize, and I can use American dollars in Belize. <clears throat> But when I get Belize money, when I, when I, it's so funny, you give them American dollars, they give you change in Belize currency. And so you always end up coming back to the United States with currency from another country. Guess what? Walmart won't take it. Target won't take it. It is a currency they do not accept. Listen to me very carefully. God works on a currency that we can't, we don't have. We don't have it. And it, no matter what we do, we can't pay off the debt. No matter what we try to accomplish, we, because our currency is not accepted in his economy. And so, so the only way that, that we can have a relationship with God the Father is through Christ. Christ steps in and pays our debt. He pays off with the right currency, what you and I can't pay off. And that's what it means to have our 
sins forgiven. And it's a tremendous privilege in the family of God. It comes from being in Christ. There's another thing that happens, the knowledge of God's purposes and plans. God, when we become in Christ, God's people learn what God is up to. <laughs> um, and, and I, I got to keep reminding you, when, it, when even this is true of forgiveness, it's, it's received, it's not achieved, okay? This, is all, this all comes from Christ to us. Nothing we can do to earn this, it comes to us. And then when we move into this thing of God's knowledge, it works the same way. We, we begin to learn what God is up to in our world. We become aware of His purposes and his plans. And listen to me carefully. This is where we get a lot of tripped up over this. We think we can somehow achieve that. We don't achieve it. We receive it. Just because you sit through a dozen Bible studies doesn't mean you know any more about God's plans and what he's doing in the world. Because we can't achieve it. We can only receive it as he offers grace to us. And what is God doing in the world? He tells us in this passage, Paul says it this way, God's goal is to bring unity, listen to this, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. I'm kind of ready for that, aren't you? I think the world is screaming for unity. That's exactly what God is trying to do. Bring unity between Everything in heaven and on earth, unity under Christ. It doesn't, it, it, yes, it's true here. I mean, come on, we got our problems here. We got, we got inequalities and we got different races and, we, and everybody's fighting, but it's no different anywhere else. You go to the Middle East, they're fighting there too. They want unity too. It's a, it's, it's a worldwide problem and God has a worldwide solution. To bring unity under Jesus Christ. You say, well, how does that help me now? I mean, even if I understand that, how, how can that possibly help me? You know, I'm, a, I'm an Alabama fan. That's not a big secret. Uh, we like to watch Alabama football games. And sometimes my schedule doesn't permit me to watch a game live. So I record it. And then I go back and I watch the game even though it may be over. And when I've done that in the past, I try really hard not to know what the score is so that when I'm watching the recording, it's happening real time for me, even though it's already over. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? So one year, Alabama was in a really important game, and we had recorded that game, and we came home to watch it, and it was a really close game. I mean, it was close, and I didn't know the outcome, and I was getting upset. I, I was getting worried. I was getting anxious. My team didn't look like they were doing too good. And as I sat there on the couch, just getting full of angst, I thought, this is crazy. I got up, went to the bathroom, and looked at the score. <laughs> and Alabama won. So I came back, sat down on the couch. I was fine. <laughs> I mean, I was at total peace with what was going on because I knew the outcome. Folks, 
That's what should be our experience of being in Christ. We know the outcome. We know what is going to happen. We know where it is going. We may not know all the details, just like I didn't know all the details of that game. I just knew the outcome. We say amen to that, but you know what? I didn't see a whole lot of that through the pandemic. I didn't see God's people so certain about what was going on in the world and what God's up to and what he's trying to accomplish when it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. When we are in Christ, this is a tremendous privilege to understand what God is doing in the world. And it should help us with our anxieties. It should help us with our problems, with our uncertainty and our doubts, because we know where it's going. We know how it ends, even though we may not know all the details getting to it. It's a tremendous privilege in Christ. Another privilege that Paul points out in this passage is that there's joy in the work of faith. There's joy in the work of faith. You see, the joy that we have in living for Jesus in this world, it should be contagious. It should be attractive to the people around us who don't have the same joy. Here's the thing. I, and I, I, I don't know why we get lost in this. I do it too. Here's what I know. I know I can make myself happy, but I cannot make myself joyful. You want to know why? Because joy is received. It is not achieved. We receive joy. It comes from being in Christ. And as we are in Christ, he gives us joy, and there's joy in the work. I, um, there's, there's someone that attends church here at Grace. They attend online mostly. Sometimes they come in person, but most of the time they're online. And uh, recently they had a death in their family, and they contacted me and asked me if I would come and, and perform the service. And so while I was there at the funeral home, I was talking with this guy, and he began to tell me about where he worked. And, and his, his eyes lit up. I mean, literally, he lit up talking about where he worked. And he said, it is the best job I have ever had in my life. I absolutely enjoy going to work. I feel fulfilled there. I, I, I feel like I'm doing something meaningful that matters. The people that I work with are good to me. There's good benefits. There's good vacation. There's, as, he, as he was talking about his workplace, I thought, man, I need to work where he's working. I need to go there. You want to know where he worked? Kimball Waste Management. He's a manager for the recycling plant at Kimball Waste Management. They're hiring. I'm just saying. But when I walked away from that conversation, I had the best opinion of Kimball Waste Management that I've ever had in my life. Not because I know anything about it, but because I was with him, who was so excited about where he worked. 
Here's the point. Does anybody walk away from us excited about Jesus? Does anybody walk away saying, you know what? I don't know what they have, and I don't understand everything they were talking about, and I don't really understand how they could be that happy following Jesus, but they definitely have something I don't have. Because that's how I walked away from that conversation. I really don't have a desire to work at Kimball Waste Management. I really don't understand how much joy there could be in that job, but there's no doubt he's joyful. He's got something. Does anybody feel that way when they walk away from us? You see, we can't achieve that type of joy. We can only receive it. And as we receive it and flesh it out, it's attractive to the people around us. And Paul says this is a tremendous privilege. This is a privilege that we have being in Christ, receiving the joy that comes from him. Paul mentions another privilege, and that is hope in the work. Hope in the work of faith. Yes, there's joy in the work, but there's also hope in the work. Paul said it this way. Look at what he says. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. How can I, how can I explain this? Maybe this has happened to you. Maybe you, maybe you can grasp this. You know, have you ever saved up money and put it in savings? And so like, you know, it's just your, I don't know, rating day fund, what, call it whatever you want to call it. It's a savings account. And, and, and for whatever reason, you regularly put money into that savings account. And then one day you come home and your refrigerator has quit working. I mean, it's dead as a doornail. And you have to replace your refrigerator. And you can't wait. You don't have time to call a repairman. You got to replace it right now because all the food's going to ruin if you don't do something. You got to do it right now. And you think, oh man, what a disappointment. What a bummer. What a letdown. I come home and I got to deal with this problem. But you know what? It's okay because I have the money to pay for it. That's hope in Christ. That's a picture of hope in Christ because you know what happens? In life, we bebop along and we have disappointments, we have obstacles, we have challenges, we have things that pop up and we must deal with it. But it's okay because I have Christ. He's got it covered. I have His Holy Spirit within me. And yes, this is a disappointment. Yes, this is a letdown. Yes, I got to deal with it. But it's okay because I have Christ. I have Christ. See, there's hope in the work. And these privileges that we have, these things that I've been, that, that Paul is, has been trying to explain to us, these are things that, that we can't achieve them. We can only receive them. It happens when we become in Christ, when, when we become a part of his family. Our position changes and our privileges change. And then these things are things that we just receive as we walk with Christ. But it leads us to this conclusion. And that is our identity determines 
our attitude, our behavior, and our responsibilities. See, here's the thing. Here's what should be happening. If you and I are in Christ, that becomes our identity. That is who I am. Who I am determines how I think, how I feel, and how I behave. If I am in Christ, I am thinking about the world differently than other people think about it. If I am in Christ, I feel differently about what's going on in my life than other people feel about what's going on in their life. If I am in Christ, I am taking on responsibilities in life that are different. The motivations are different. The responsibilities are different. Because I'm in Christ, that's what's motivating me to think, feel, and do what I'm doing. And here's the thing. If my life, if I'm thinking like everybody else thinks, and I'm feeling like everybody else feels, and I'm doing like everybody else does, maybe I'm not in Christ. Because when we are in Christ, our position changes and our privileges change. And when that happens, we change. From the inside out, He changes us because He is our identity. He is our identity. And we behave out of that. In our world today, we have all kinds of people coming out and saying, I am. And they fill in the blank. I mean, we could tie it to anything. I am Republican. I am Democrat. I, I mean, fill it in. I, I, I am a Browns fan. Immediately, we already know something about that person, don't we? And it explains a lot of why they behave the way they behave, the clothes they buy, the things they watch on TV, because they're a Browns fan. That's what Browns fans do, right? I'm a Steelers fan. They do it different, don't they? Right? You guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Don't look at me like that. Well, I am in Christ. So we should be acting that way. We act the exact same way. Our identity always points to the way we think, feel, and act. That's who we are. Let me leave you with a prayer. It says, Father, open my eyes and let me see the spiritual blessings you provided when Christ saved me. Let those blessings overwhelm me and change my attitude, my behavior, and the responsibilities I take on. Let me taste the joy of my salvation and express that joy so others will be attracted to you. I ask this in Jesus' name. I hope that can be your prayer this week. That as you and I, as we go through this week, Lord willing, the way we think, the way we feel, 
The things we do are nothing more than a reflection of who we are in Christ. If you've never prayed to receive Christ as your Savior, I hope you would do that. These blessings, they're not withheld from you. You just receive them like anyone else. And they become your privileges. God bless you. Thank you for being at Grace today. Have a great Sunday, and we'll see you next time.